With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. Uh, as is the case every week, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and after a brief absence, Brian Joyner is back with us. He's back from the island of Martha's Vineyard. Brian, how are you? I'm wonderful. I'm well-rested, but I'm still pedantic enough to note that every introduction you say, back to another, which seems a little redundant. You always have some sort of comment about about my grammar. I missed that last week. Jake did not. Jake did not 
diss my grammar. He did, however, uh, throw some shade at the island of Martha's Vineyard. So one one would expect that. that. One would expe- expect that from smaller-brained creatures such as Jake. <laughs> and Jake is the key offender in the you your versus you are your um, war, which I delight in teasing him about. But we have. <laughs> come to a playful place with it that maybe you and i haven't reached yet but we'll get there we'll see we'll see if we'll get there uh but you did not miss the greatest it was an okay week of baseball i guess you were back this weekend when things got bad again but um red sox are playing kind of just decent baseball instead of bad but they are in first place despite that because the Rays, who we will talk about in a little bit, have lost six in a row. So the Red Sox, as we talk here today, Tuesday afternoon, uh, before the first game of the big series against the Rays, uh, Red Sox are a half game up. Uh, before we get to that series, uh, there is a little bit of news for the Red Sox. Um, this will be a little outdated by the time you hear it, but the gist will still be... Uh, this just will still be right. So Kevin Pulowiecki, um has not officially been placed on the IL yet as we sit here Tuesday afternoon, but Chris Catello uh, reported Monday night that it's going to happen. By the time you are listening to this, it will have already happened. Um, Pulowiecki tweaked the hamstring going after a bad throw from Kike Hernandez. Didn't look too serious, but he did leave the game, obviously, going on the IL. Um, means there's something going on, but... The real interesting part of this probably is who will be called up to take his place. So, really, only the really, really the only two options are going to be um, either Connor Wong or Chris Herman. Connor Wong, part of the Mookie Betts pra- trade, he is on the forty man. Definitely has a higher ceiling, but also has not really played much this season. When he has played, he's been very good. Chris Herman, a major league veteran. Um, Long track record of mediocrity in the majors has never really looked like a guy who belongs, but he's hitting pretty well at AAA. Um, you have any preference between the two, uh, given where the Red Sox are right now? Go with the higher ceiling or the guy who's been there and is hitting a little better right now? I think that they're more likely to go with Herman because it seems to a closer one-to-one replacement um, for Plowecki and while Wong, I, it would encourage me in some ways if they brought up Wong. Um, and I would also like to see more of the deal in action. But I suspect that they will ju- they will call up Herman. Um, because if the way you described him was pretty much how you'd describe Plowecki. I mean, Plowecki's better, which is why he was on the team, but this is the backup catcher, not the starting catcher. So I almost feel like if it had to be the starter, Wong would be maybe uh, now that Plowecki's out would be the the choice, but since it's a backup, I would suspect it'll be Herman. I think I agree. Um, I mean, that makes the most sense in a vacuum. The only... The only issue there is just the 40-man part of it. Connor Wong is on the 40-man. Chris Herman isn't. Um, so there would have to be some counter move, although I don't think it's too difficult to figure out a counter move. There are a few viable options there. Um, and I think it is 
kind of important to just let Connor Wong keep playing. Uh, like I said, he missed a bunch of time with a hamstring injury. He's only played in 16 games down at Worcester this year. And um, prior to this year, he had never played in AAA at all. Um, he's not hitting well. He's hitting 148, 188, 246 um, in those 16 games. So it's not going very well. I think it makes the most sense for the team. Uh, to get a guy who's been up before and probably has a higher floor right now than Connor Wong. Um, and it also makes sense for Connor Wong long-term to get that development. Um, it's also worth mentioning that part of the appeal of Wong is that he's able to play. He's not just a catcher. He plays some second base, some third base. Um, I don't think he's ever played the outfield, but I'm sure at some point they'll probably get him some time doing that. Um, but the Red Sox don't really need... Like versatility is not really a need for the Red Sox right now. So um, I think the only reason you would really call up Wong instead of Herman is that you don't want to make a move on the 40 man. But I just, to me, that doesn't, that doesn't outweigh the positives of Herman. I mean, the 40 man thing does. It's, it's interesting to me when that condition matters and when it does not. And I've sort of, given up trying to figure that out uh but i definitely agree with you that the i the goal is for wong to be playing and this would because even though he's versatile he's not going to jump in and be playing second every day that he's not playing catcher uh that's just not going to happen there's too many of the middle infielders you say it's not a need well it kind of is but I don't think so much that they're going to use Connor Wong to to yeah. push Marwin Gonzalez off the team. Yeah, I uh, feel like it would be somebody or something else. So I suspect it 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 will be Herman, and it will be scarcely noticeable the difference between him and Pulecki, uh, and except for that maybe he plays less often. Yeah, I mean Pulecki hasn't really been playing that much either. Vasquez is at or near the top of the catcher leaderboard in games played this year. Um, I think the thing, what will be interesting, I mean, I think there's a case for calling up Wong if this Ploiecki injury, if they think it's only going to be 10 days, they might say it's not really worth making a 40-man move to have a guy who will come in and play maybe twice in these 10 games, if that. Um, So I could see that, but the I mean, my counter to that would be they need 40-man spots coming up anyways. Um, for Jaron Duran, who we'll get to later, eventually will be up this year, I would hope. Uh, Chris Sale should be back at some point this year, um, not to mention trade acquisitions. I mean, they're going to need 40-man spots eventually, so if they have to use one on Herman for 10 days, two weeks, whatever it is, and then take him off the 40, that's, I mean, in the long run, they're going to have to make that move anyways, or some sort of move anyway. So um, I just... I don't want to say it's going to be Herman because um, people listening to this will already know, and I don't want to be made to sound stupid, but that's the one that makes the most sense to me. I think you're pretty brave saying that's what it's going to be when people will know say, whether you're right or wrong right away. I think that, no, I said that's what it's most likely to be. Okay. I don't think so. That's all right. Well, they, so if you, they, the only thing they're listening to us for are thought processes. So no, I, know. Get, I was just giving you a hard time. I'll just give you that time. When have I ever given you a hard time in the last two minutes? <laughs> well, I was going to say maybe six minutes ago, whenever we started this. Um, 
So if they did have to, if it was Herman, they did have to clear a 40-man spot. Like I said, they have options. To me, I think there are four pretty clear ones um, all in the Major League roster. Danny Santana, Matt Andrews, Brandon Workman, and Yaxel Rios. Um, who who do you think, if you had to choose, who would it be? And I guess if it's a different answer, maybe who do you think is more likely? I mean, Yaxel Rios has pitched two innings. Has he only pitched two innings? Uh, unless my crack research no. before the show was wrong. He's I'm pitched sure two right. innings. It feels, it feels like he's been warming up every game. But yeah, he has pitched two innings. I would say, regardless of anything else, that makes him the most likely candidate. I think so. I think he would be. Um, it's. It would just. It would cut down a pitcher and go back to the four man bench. I don't know that they would want to do that. Um, so unless there was another move in there to option somebody, I don't know who would have options to go down. So, I mean, that could get a little complicated. I think he probably is the most likely. I also wouldn't be surprised if Danny Santana's time was over. Um, and if his time was over, who would be taking his place? Well, I think it could be Herman for 10 days and then maybe you DFA him and get Duran up. Um, the thing is they need to, it would be to make space for Herman, but. Eventually, yeah, hopefully, it would be Duran. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, what you just said, that that sequence of events makes it more likely to be Herman simply because it. this is why they have him in the organization, it seems like. Why, why have this guy in the organization otherwise? Yeah, um, I mean, they knew they needed a veteran catcher in case Wong wasn't ready when somebody got hurt. It seems like Wong's not ready when somebody gets hurt, so it does make the most sense. But this way you'll be kicking... You kick the can the 10 days at least, and then however long you expect Plowecki or hope Plowecki is um, healthy, and then if you have to... I mean, look, if... Will Chris Herman still be around? If, if they cut him from the 40-man um, after he's after the 10 days, would he likely go back to Worcester or be out of the organization? Well, that would be up to him, and it would probably depend on how he played in a small sample. And, I mean, maybe he thinks there's a better chance somewhere else, especially with Wong right there. If he got designated and cleared waivers... Um, he has enough service time where he'd get to decide whether or not he gets to st- he wants to stay in the organization or become a free agent. Um, and I really have no idea what he would choose. I could see the case for either one. Well, I could also see this does seem like uh, you could trade for a backup catcher on a team that's out of the playoff uh, run pretty easily if you had to. Yeah, I mean, so... I don't think it's too hard to find a Chris Herman somewhere. And they have Jet Bandy, who is like another slightly worse version of Chris Band or Chris Herman in Triple A. So, I mean they have the catcher. Not in the name department. No, sir. You don't like Jet Bandy? I do like Jet Bandy. Oh, you don't like Chris Herman. Say, well, it's no Jet Bandy. Yeah, no. Jet Bandy is a good name. Um I do want to go into I mean I do think it's possible that Wong is called up, like I said, just because of the forty man thing. And then if Wong is called up and maybe if Ploiecki's injury is a little longer than the 10 days and he, Wong gets a little more of a chance to 
show out and he hits well. I mean, players generally in all sports, generally the rule of thumb is you don't really lose your job to injury. I think that, I think that's a little overplayed and sometimes you do. And Drew Bledsoe is the example I think of. Uh, but generally, I mean, teams try not to do that. Do you think there is a chance though, considering Ploiecki's not, has not really been that great this year anyways, and his defense kind of taking a hit. He's not, he's not really doing anything at the plate. Do you think there's a chance if Wong played well in his absence that they would just cut Ploiecki? Unlikely. Seems yeah. unlikely to me. I think it seems unlikely to me too, just because they would want to keep the depth, but I think it would be enticing. I mean, if I just, the issue would be Wong probably wouldn't have enough time to make that much of an impression that he would, um, he would cause them to make that shift. But I do, I do think he has the talent. I mean, he obviously has massive power. So, I mean, if he hit three home runs in three games or something, maybe they'd think about it, but I think you're probably right that, Pulwaki is here to stay, and I do like Pulwaki. He just he hasn't provided much in either side this year. I mean, I'm also sort of reading into the, pro, you know, each player is different, but at this point we're getting near the Duran o'clock, which I know we're going to talk about, but it does lead me to believe that they have defined or at least considerable goals or expectations for their top players in the minors. They're not the Dombrowski where it's like, all right, Devers go, you're playing. Um, it does seem like they are committed to that in, to some degree. And I would not be surprised if that's team wide. I mean, organization wide and not specifically uh, simply Duran. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. So let's move on to, the schedule coming up, I mean, we've talked a lot. It seems like every week um, has been a big week for the Red Sox over the last, like, three or four weeks. Um, just a lot of good teams. Obviously, we've been talking about this stretch, and it just keeps going. But I think there's an argument that this week coming up is the biggest of them all just because it's two division rivals. Um, they're facing the second-place team, and then the third-place team, the Rays and the Yankees. Uh, they start, like I said, tonight when we're recording this against the Rays. When you're listening to this, you'll already know what happened in Game 1. Uh, we don't know that, but um, the Red Sox do play the Rays, and the Rays are reeling. Like I said, they've lost six in a row. Uh, the Red Sox have retaken first place despite not really playing that great of baseball lately. Um, I think we both agreed... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think we both agreed that the Rays were a little bit better than the Red Sox last time, although it was close. Um, glad they the Rays lost Tyler Glass now, probably for the rest of the season. Although I think they're still holding out hope he'll be back um, for the last month or so in some capacity. But is that injury? I mean, Glass now is their top pitcher. Is that injury enough to put the Red Sox ahead of them for the rest of the season in your mind? Well, given that the Red Sox top pitcher is about to, well, not about to come back, but is uh, stalking the Woo Sox. Uh, yeah, I think, that the, I think that the Red Sox should be considered the favorite. Um, unless like Toronto gets Max Scherzer or sorry, the Blue Jays. I'm not going to call them Toronto right now. <laughs> uh, and they, they would have to go on some sort, you know, they would have to go on a tear. I, yes, I think the Red Sox are the favorite right now. I think uh, I don't know. I mean, I I find it 
tough to put the Red Sox up there just because of the Rays seem to pull pitching out of nowhere every single year. Um, but I mean, Fangraphs does have them at the fa- as the favorite. They have the Red Sox at a forty percent chance of winning the division. The Yankees at twenty nine percent chance, even though they're behind the Rays by four games right now, and the Rays are at twenty percent. Um, I'm assuming that's mostly because of the Glasnow injury. Um, I think I've just been hesitant to buy into the Red Sox being a favorite all season, and I still kind of am. And I'm running out of good reasons to feel that way, other than it just still doesn't feel right. But I, I'm really interested to see what happens in this series. Um, and do you think those projections account for Chris Sale? Uh yeah, I would assume so. Um, they, I mean, they obviously don't know how many innings they're going to pitch, but they usually, I mean, they plug in innings. I don't know what they've uh, plugged in for sale the rest of the season, but I would imagine they have him maybe making like eight starts, ten starts, something. They're usually pretty conservative, but he'll be in there. Yeah, that the conservative part was, I think, a sort of a sub sub question I may have had. So I would say that. You could, and I could try to thread the needle here by saying, you know, it just depends on what Chris Hill does. If he comes back and is great, then, and and can pass whatever the implicit conservative projection is that gets him to 40, I could see that being 50 and then 51, 49, whatever. So I could also say that, yes, if Chris Hill comes back and is limited in some way and the Red Sox you know, they're still due for a, a pitching injury. Uh, I can see why the Rays would be the favorite then. So, yeah, I see it both ways. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've been saying it the whole time, but um, it's pretty close. And I think the Yankees are close in there too. I mean, I have this a little further down, but if we were to rank these three teams, I guess right now I probably would go. I would probably go Red Sox, Rays, Yankees, um, but I do think they're all they're all very close. And I... I would be hard pressed to disagree with somebody arguing for any of the three being the favorite in the division right now. Except for, I don't know if you're going to find anyone who's going to say the Yankees are, which doesn't make it wrong. I think there's, I think Yankees fans are still a little snake bit from the beginning of the year. I know they are. The Yankees fans are miserable right now. Even, I mean, they've been playing pretty well, but even playing pretty well, they are not. Um, I mean, I saw people today talking, Yankees fans today talking about uh, they only won because they were gifted like a game-ending triple play in their last game against um, against the A's. And it's worth noting, Baseball Prospectus does have the Yankees as the favorite um, by Pocota. Uh, they have a they have the Yankees as a heavy favorite, fifty-seven percent chance to win the division. The Red Sox are only, the Red Sox are lower below eight percent to win the division by Pocota. Well, if you trust Craig, that's on you. <laughs> Craig uh, single-handedly puts together the Dakota projections. Not a lot of people that's, know that. That's my understanding. Yes, I, I believe. I used to work there. I believe that's the way it goes. Um, so the other big reason, I mean, just beyond it being the top two teams of the division and two potential pennant teams, um, the Rays are clearly a little bit worried about how they're playing and is obviously a big series they are responding by calling up wander franco who has been the top prospect in baseball for i don't even know how long now two three years um he is an incredible talent basically i mean true five tool player does everything extremely well it's 
really not great for the Red Sox if this guy's going to be in division for however long he's with the Rays. Um, and, I mean, this is the time to get into the Duran conversation. Jaron Duran, I mean, let's say right off the top, Jaron Duran is not Wander Franco. Wander Franco is in a totally different league than Jaron Duran. Um, but should the Red Sox be countering Wander Franco with Jaron Duran, get their own, not top, top prospect, but very good top 30, according to Baseball America, prospect? Well, let me just say that right now you are finally speaking my language. It took 10, 11. Um, when we're talking only about top prospects, that's it, baby. That's where I live. I just want to push back. I like, look, Franco's better than Durant. That's not, that's not a question. There's been, there have been two players to have 80 grade hit tools ever by MLB pipeline since, it, you know, it's been around like 10, 12 years. Vlad Jr., and Wander, and you're like, okay, that's impressive. Wander's a switch hitter, and he has 80 from both sides of the plate. It's the most, it's, that alone is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard in baseball, period. <laughs> he is, I mean, he's, the, he's defense and speed, too. I mean, it's not even just offense, which is. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, I just wanted to say, oh, he, he's not. Wander. Well, on some lists, Jared Kelnick was and is uh, Fantrax released their top 300 midseason prospects today. And Kelnick was still number one and Franco number two. It would I think there's a 40 percent chance at this point that Kel, uh, Duran has a better career than Kelnick. Uh, uh, Duran's uh, absolute level of skill right now is incredibly high. Um, he's grown into it. There was an article recently about how his dad was like, yo man, go lift weights. Yeah. Yeah. Alex so Spiro could... thought that was a great article. Right. And I, I, so, you know, we, st we just don't know these things, but what we do know about Franco is that it's going to be, I mean, I think almost something we haven't seen before in baseball. And that's really hard to say. Um, We've seen great switch hitters, uh, you know, Mickey Mantle. I did not see – I'm not that old. I was like, did you see Mickey Mantle? I'm not that old. Um, but I, no one who – a middle infielder who's doing all – who's just doing everything and being maybe the best, uh, most talented hitter in baseball – level um from both sides of the plate is just incredible it's just just in theory um so i'm very excited to see what happens and I, when he's i hope he stays in the al east his whole career let's just put it that way you hope he stays in the al east i didn't say what team he'd be on yeah you hope he's, he's on the red sox yes that is what i hope <laughs> okay. well except for except for he's gonna overlap with xander so much that though i mean wander's gonna play uh you know he's a ray so he's gonna play second third and short uh, yeah okay so so i what about so duran i think that this the dominoes are starting to fall now and i mean the season it's 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 summer now uh, it's halfway over today. i mean not exactly halfway over but they've played 72 games it'll be 73 after tonight they're pretty much halfway through the season do you think that they're just waiting for Matthew Corey to jump off a bridge in Portland, Oregon, uh, because of the leadoff 
hitter situation. And then as soon as they hear he does that, they're like, all right, Durant, you're up. You're batting leadoff. I mean, that would be pretty cruel, but I suppose that's a possibility. Wouldn't be the um, cruelest they've been to him. To Matt? That's it. Yeah, that'd be a second. That's a second Mookie trade reference. Okay, I, mean, I, f- I thought that's what you're talking about, but I figured I'd at least spell it out. Um, no, I mean, I honestly at this point, I I don't know what the holdup for Duran is. Um, I just, I understand. I mean, I wrote a whole thing about this the other day. I'm, I'm starting to get really frustrated. I understand that he's not a perfect player. I understand that there are still things he needs to work on. I understand that the Red Sox offense has been pretty good. None of that means that he shouldn't be up. Um, he can work on his defense in the majors. They could put him in left field. They have Verdugo for center. They have Renfro for right. They can put Duran in left field and just have those three play the outfield every day. And Marwin Gonzalez can lose some time. And Danny Santana could come off the roster. And Kike Hernandez can lose some time. Um, it's just it it's driving me nuts. He's clearly one of the twenty six best players in the roster. And I've been a little patient. I've understood letting him develop, but. It's this race is so close. This is this race is going to come down to the margins and who who's making these little moves at the right time. And this maybe it's not the right time. Maybe they know what they're talking about. It's a decent possibility that they know what they're talking about better than me. But f- from where I'm standing, I just do not. They, I have not heard a compelling case for why he wouldn't be up. I think you made a very good point with the timeline following. Um, Herman, if it is indeed Herman, who comes up. It, it's also because that will put us past the halfway point of the season. And it's possible that there's just an internal decision that like Duran will come up in the second half. And again, this is why I was hesitant to say that Wong would come up. It seems like they're being very deliberate with the guys in the minors. Um, and I'd say Duran specifically, but I don't even know if it's him specifically. It could be more than it could be more than just him. So I do suspect that not by the next episode, but by the episode after that, he will be he will be up. Well, I think I think there's if I had to bet on a time frame, that would probably be it for me as well. Um, not so much because of the halfway point um, thing. But I think, I think probably the most compelling case against calling him up right now, and it's not one that I would necessarily argue myself, but I can at least understand it, is that they don't, they wouldn't want to call him up during a stretch like this. Um, just that organizationally, I mean, obviously Bloom is running the front office now, so we can't look at the past as a true barometer of what they would always do. But historically, they have made these big call-ups when they're on the West Coast. And they go on the West Coast the weekend of the 4th. Uh, they're in Oakland on the 2nd, and then they go play the Angels after that. That I would not be surprised if that's when Duran comes up. His, he meets them in Oakland, starts on the West Coast, and then gets to kind of cruise into the All-Star break out West. They have one series at home. And then they jump into it um, after the break. I, again, I don't think that's compelling enough. I think Duran can handle a series like this. There's nothing in his pro career that would lead me to believe otherwise. But that would be my guess of their thinking. That makes perfect sense. I mean, given their their track record, the timing of it, um, 
I don't know why they think it's that important to do. I mean, I can obviously read into it, you know, exactly what you said. You get games under your belt before you're in front of the home crowd and you don't over worry about something like that. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I hope they do it. We all want to see him play. He's, he's obviously a better option than some of the guys they have right now. I mean, I mean, that's that to me, it's it's sounds like an oversimplification, but that is that is the case. Just like period. He's one of the 26 best players. They are clearly contenders now. I mean, you can quibble with how likely they are to win the division or whatever, how likely they are to go deep into October. But they are clearly contenders and favorites to make the playoffs at this point although Pakoda does disagree, I think most would agree that they are favorites to at least get a wild card spot. And I mean, it's time to stop worrying about the future. Plus Durant's 25 years old. It's not like we're talking about a 20 year old kid who needs seasoning under his belt. He's 25. Like it's, it's time. It's time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he was like the best player on the Olympic team. Come on. So hopefully that's soon, although it won't, it won't, uh, Probably won't be this week, although I would love... That's one thing I would love to be wrong about when people hear this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, So let's move on to the weekend series uh, coming up against the Yankees. Uh, Like I said, the Yankees are playing better baseball right now, even if Yankees fans aren't totally buying into what's happening. Are you buying into it? Is this are the Yankees finally getting back into this and we're gonna have to worry about them along with the Rays at the top of the division all year? Yes. Yeah. I just mean, like we've that. been Well, we've just been happy all year that they hadn't yeah. hit hit the stride that they that it by all measures they have in them, and now they have. So I am not thrilled, but <laughs> It could have been way worse to this point. So I'll take that. I'll take and, that part of it. I mean, the wins are already in the bank and the Red Sox are up by four and a half games. So the Yankees, if the Yankees are going to surpass them, they have to play five games better the rest of the season. Certainly far from impossible, but um, the Red Sox are in the driver's seat. I will say the thing, there are still some things that worry me about the Yankees. Number one is still health. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are still huge parts of this lineup, and they have always struggled to stay healthy. So if I was a Yankees fan, I would still be very concerned about that. And, I mean, I'm assuming they're going to make a move at the deadline, but their pitching beyond Cole is still not something that scares me too much. Um, I 
believe is Kluber out for the season? I think he is, right? I if not for the he season, is. he's out for a long time. Severino, I don't know when he's coming back. I know he suffered some sort of setback when he was getting. I think he su- he suffered a little bit of a setback or something. Or they're taking it slow with him, like Sale. But he underwent Tommy John right around the time Chris Sale did, so that's probably a similar expectation there. Um, I don't know. I just their pitching staff doesn't scare me. I think they are. The, they're definitely the team that scares me about getting Max Scherzer. If they have Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer. That's a totally different dynamic, especially once you get into the playoffs. But even over the final two months of the season, I mean, that then I would be scared. I might call them the favorites in the division. Yes, yes, I think you nailed it. But it's, it's, it's not something I want to think about, so I'm not going. <laughs> that is a uh, that is a fair viewpoint. All right, let's uh, let's predict how things are going to go this week. This is like you said, this is the biggest week on the schedule so far for the Red Sox. Six games, three against the Rays on the road, three against the Yankees at home. What's their record in that stretch? Just over those six games. Three and three. Who? Which series do they win? The Rays. Okay, I was gonna say the same, but the opposite. So three and three, but they win against the Yankees. Um, just being at home, and hopefully the Yankees are still down a little bit. Um, and that sweep from last weekend can stay in their head a little bit longer. Um, the Red Sox do have to face Cole in that series, which is unfortunate because they got to miss him last time, but. Um, I think three and three sounds about right, and I will I will certainly take three and three from this stretch. However, however they divvy it up, although I probably wouldn't want to see a sweep on either side, but um, three and three sounds okay. But I mean, this is what it is. It's just it's a it's like an NFC East, uh, all very old school. Just just a lot of a lot of shoulders being thrown. Was, there's no, there's no way out of it's it. Not this, it's not this. It's not this past year's NFC East. Yes. Yeah. Oh God, no. Oh God, no. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I forget what I was gonna say. Um. So another thing I mentioned that I had wrote, written about Duran's call up. Um. Another thing I had written about on the off day on Monday that people got very mad at me about. Uh, was and we talked about this already, so I know sort of where you stand, but I'm interested to dig into it a little bit more. I wrote about Devers being the perfect fifth for the home run derby and how much I wanted to see him, and I thought there would be a little bit of pushback, but not quite as much as there was. People are very worried about his swing being messed up. Is that something you would be worried about if he were in it? No. 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 Not at all. Let the man have fun. Come on. If he wants to be in it, he's. And I don't even know if he wants to be in it. To be clear, he might not. I believe. I know Vlad Junior said he didn't want to. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Vlad Junior can worry about winning the MVP. <laughs> Devers can worry about playing baseball. I have no qualms with it whatsoever. Same way I would have no qualms if um, JD Martinez did it or anything. just. Oh, I feel bad because I took too many home runs. Okay, take an extra day off. You'll be fine. I yeah, know I mean, that I know that people have said, have ascribed it to slumps, but I suspect if you check the record, most of the players in the home run derby 
probably hit at the over in aggregate the same home runs at the same rate they did before. Well, I I actually don't think they did, but uh, Mike Petriello wrote something about this a few years ago that I think about a lot. Um, they players in the home run derby usually do slow down their home run rate a little bit after the home run derby, but that's not because of the swing, at least in most cases. There's probably a few cases where somebody's swing did get messed up, but most for the most part, it's because to get in the home run derby, you need to hit a shitload of home runs in the first half, and just play. you're probably not going to keep up that pace for the whole season. That's just the way baseball works. You have a great first half, and then you just have a good second half, and it looks like the home run derby did it, where it's, in actuality, it's just you're, that's your true talent level. You're a and say you were on a 50 home run pace in the first half, you're actually a 30 home run hitter. That's still a great power hitter, but um, it's not really the home run derby having an effect. And I think specifically with Devers, I would have no worries about him messing up his swing because every swing he takes is like a home run derby swing. He's trying to hit every single ball he swings at 500 feet. So if anybody has a swing that's already built for the home run derby, that's already swinging out of their shoes every time, it's Rafael Devers. Yep, that makes perfect sense. So, I I don't know. I just, we talked about it already, so we don't have to go into But I just, I would love him in the home road derby pretty much more than anything else. Yeah, and if you, that's the thing. If you were to say, okay, forget everything you know about it. You're just going to make a gut call whose swing would get the most messed up hypothetically. My answer would be Xander if he were somehow. Oh, I would say end. J.D. Eh, well, that's because he's a head case, but that's... Um... Well, that's it. I mean, he talks about all the time that if he's not... he His he his swing mechanics get messed up constantly, and he's like constantly working on it. So I guess I could see that with him. Um, I think he could fix it pretty quickly, but I think he would be the guy to get it messed up. But I could well, see I meant Xander, like, too. I meant like more sustained messed up. Yeah. Because um, it feels, to me with JD, it seems like if he saw a movie he didn't like, it could, it could mess him up. <laughs> Which is good because he apparently doesn't watch many movies he doesn't like. So well, that's a good um, thing. Except last year, maybe. Um. So, moving on from the home run derby, uh, Red Sox also may have lost Christian Arroyo. So as of this recording, it's still not really clear what's going on with him. Arroyo also left Sunday's game. He had a little mini collision with uh, Kike Hernandez. Looked like it was a pretty bad knee injury, but turns out it was, they're saying it was just a bone bruise on the shin. Um, but like I said, not sure right now if he's going to have to hit the IL. Um, but if he does, is it is it too soon? To call Franchi Cordero back up. So Cordero has been electric in AAA since going down. It's only been 21 games, but he's got five home runs. He's hitting 377, 484, 714, just going buck wild in Worcester. Have you seen enough that he can get a, that you would give him another chance, or is that too, sim- too small a sample considering what he did in the majors? I just don't think it's. It seems so good to be not relevant to what he did in the majors. I don't, I would not have confidence that he's going to come back and be anything different than what he was before. Personally speaking. I think, I mean, I'm, I think I agree with you and yet I would still call him up. Um, I mean, I would call Duran up first. I think we all agree on that. Um, but if they are not calling up Duran, which it seems like they're not calling up Duran, I would 
not be upset about calling up Cordero, mostly because he's a lefty, and uh, they they need a lefty on the bench. I mean, their bench is generally very righty-heavy, and their switch hitters, Marwin Gonzalez and Danny Santana, um, hit better against lefties, so they, they need somebody who can hit righties off the bench, so that alone, I think, I would call up Cordero for, and then when you throw in how he's swinging the bat right now, and obviously the raw talent that he has when they traded for him is still there. Um, I guess I'll put it this way. If it came down to Michael Chavis or Cordero, I think I like Chavis better as a player, and they're both hitting well at AAA right now, but I would probably go with Cordero just because his fit with the team is a little bit better right now. Yeah, but Duran. Well, yes, Duran is Duran is the guy that I would have called up a month ago if I could, but um, that does not seem to be on the table, unfortunately. Um, all right, one last thing before we get to a listener question. Uh, we've given some grief, maybe more me than you, but I think we've both given some grief to uh, Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, but he is hitting the ball pretty well right now. He had a really strong series against the Royals. Um, He's had a good month of June. He's hitting 250, 300, 554. The power is showing up in a big way this month. Um, we've talked about first base potentially being a target position at the deadline. Are you confident enough in the way he's swinging right now that you don't think that you think they'll be able to avoid having to make that kind of move for a new first baseman? I think by the time they have to make the decision, they'll have a better sample i am not i mean i think bobby is going to be a streaky hitter in his in his career i think he will have times where he's like a uh, box fan and whiffing at everything and times where he is just he's pounding the ball out so i'm not my opinion on him has not changed um let's put it that way my opinion on what they will do around him i think depends on what he does in the next um the next block up, up leading up until the trade deadline because um if he avoids another one of those um i mean he's almost done enough to 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 get around it i think uh unless i mean i just want joey gallo but i i know that that's a big ask it's and that probably not gonna happen right and sense is probably not gonna happen i see them I think, you know, Chavis is a potential uh, first base guy if Dahlbeck lost it completely. But I think you actually, I have talked myself into the idea that he's probably done enough to man the position uh, primarily for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think what you were saying about context matters. And I think another part of that context will be how the rest of the roster is doing whether they need if they need a starting pitcher i don't necessarily think they're going to make a big move for both positions and same with the bullpen if they decide they need a true late inning arm one of the best relievers available at the deadline i think that would make it less likely to get Dahlbeck. but on the other side of the coin if the rotation starts trending very well again and chris sales coming back soon and the bullpen's pitching lights out and they decide they don't need to make a big move for pitching maybe i could see it again um the thing, I mean, just speaking about confidence in Dahlbeck specifically, and I didn't realize this until right now, I just opened up his splits page on Fangraphs. Um, 
I mean, the strikeout and walk numbers still look bad. Um, in fact, they work like worse than they have in any other month. He's striking out just under 37% of the time, only walking 3% of the time. Um, obviously, the sample is tiny. He's hitting crap out of the ball when he makes contact. But the underlying issues are still there. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. I don't. I mean, as much as I would like them to get Joey Gallo, I don't expect that kind of move. But I guess I could see something for like... Jesus Aguilar from Miami or like CJ Crone from Colorado. Not that I don't that not that I think that Crone would even be that much of an update um upgrade, but I think that's the kind of move I could see. And you're right, I mean they don't they don't have to make the decision right now and they won't, but I'm not I'm still not super confident that Dalbeck's gonna be the guy heading into September, I'll say. Yeah, and I I can see that my I think the likeliest scenario if he's not is that he was dealt for the guy who is. That's that's me. Yeah. That's my thought. I mean, then, yeah, I could I could totally see that. I don't think he'd be supplemented. Um, I think he would either be. I, I mean, think he would be demoted if they traded for somebody, probably just to keep him playing every day. Well, that's. But I think that the team that was trading, I think, a team that was trading someone could look at Bobby Dahlbeck and and see good things uh, down the line, and that he would be an actual trade asset. Yeah, but I mean, it depends what you're trading. Like, if you're trading for CJ Krohn, for example, I wouldn't give up Bobby Dahlberg for CJ. Oh Krohn. no, yeah, but I I wouldn't trade for CJ Krohn. So yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't either. Jake put that nugget in my head last week, and that's just something I've been thinking about. I don't really like it though. I don't think he did either. To be fair, Te- uh, it teaches you to replace me with Jake. Well, you're the one I'm on a vacation. Yeah, but I went to the good island. Anyhow, <laughs> all right. Uh, so just one listener question here before we finish things out, and it is from the old ham and the bee, which I don't know if that's a reference to something, but I don't know what it is if it is. Uh, he is talking about the leadoff position that we had just mentioned. Um, how concerning is the leadoff position right now, and who do you think should be up first in the lineup? It's, I mean, to me, it's no more or less concerning than it has been all year. Um, it could be more frustrating now to people, but I mean, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Uh, except for maybe the guys in there have just gotten worse with the exception of Christian Arroyo. And let me say your Christian Arroyo graphic is, Oh my God. One of my favorites, honestly, my Christian um, Arroyo graphic, the, the Nomar sports illustrated. Oh um, yeah. yeah that is oh, it is. It is. I'm a, very good at Photoshop. A, it's perfect. Um, but I am still, I'm just bemused by it. Now it's sort of just a running joke and I kind of want to see how far they take it. But I, I mean, I think they, they could obviously do a lot better, but I don't really, they clearly don't want to just do the top half and bottom half of the lineup. They want to somehow kick that, one spot down the road it's i'm just i'm just so amused i mean i wrote a column about it and they're like they they use the they want to get these guys the idea is these guys are not hitting well so get them out there and let them go go seize the day it's your turn baby yeah but the thing is they're not they just can't do it it's not working (laughs) it's great it's funny it's like it's a theory that that's a nice strategy it's it's not working i mean i think uh, we've talked about it so much, and you keep bringing up the point that it just feels like the the only point that matters, basically, is they just keep winning, and, I mean, they're in first place as we sit here Tuesday afternoon, so it's working. 
I have to, I don't have any indication that this is true and it would surprise me if it is, but the only thing that makes sense to me is that Verdugo said that he doesn't want to hit leadoff. Um, Okay, he hit leadoff all year last year. He never seemed to be um, in a bad mood or like not happy with the situation. So I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that's the truth. But that's the only, that's the only explanation that would sit well with me that he's not leading off. And again, they keep winning. It's working. I guess you don't change things if it's working. They've scored the third most runs in baseball, but um, it just it it's seems a- crazy to me. It's hilarious. I mean, it is it kind is, of funny. It is funny. I mean, it's especially funny because the aforementioned Matt Corey, our former colleague, and you know, we're part of the same circles on Twitter, is just like he's gonna lose his mind. He's literally gonna lose his mind. Brady um, too. We, yeah, but no, but Brady's mind is long, yeah, long gone. It's just that's long gone. Um, it's uh, it's just it's. It's funny to me also because there was a time in the statistical revolution or whatever you call it. Ah, it doesn't. Your batting order doesn't matter. Um, oh, it doesn't. Just, I mean, that's the thing. And I think they're kind of proving that. Yes. It, except we, except for no one it's is looking at the proof. Yeah. No one is looking at the proof and saying, oh, well, look, they're winning. So it's fine. Except for them. <laughs> exactly. Core is looking at it and that's it. Um I mean, I mostly agree with you. I, I think it is it, it it doesn't matter that much, and it's also easy to complain about, fun to complain about, um, and it is a little maddening. I mean, when they lose a game, when Kike Hernandez is the last batter, say, and he's in the leadoff spot, and Alex Verdugo's in the on deck circle, that is maddening. And in a race this close, like I said, it comes down to things on the margins, and something like that could potentially. Um, have a greater effect in a close race like this so i mean i think i i still definitely want to see verdugo in the leadoff spot but i'm with you where at this point i'm kind of just laughing more than anything else it's just what else can you do well and so this to just wrap it up the thinking about you know listening to a lot of basketball podcasts because it's you know that time of year and talking about the the distinct differences between the postseason in the regular season and one thing i heard with respect to Giannis and why he's had so much more trouble in the postseason is that you know guys won't take charges in the regular season because whatever i'm gonna play again in two days postseason will take charges um so i think that to some degree the red sox especially if they keep winning like i would not expect them to be rolling out uh a, an actual bad hitter in the playoffs. Well, that was um, sort of good. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say uh, that was, I was thinking of that, but I mean, you don't, you're not going to make that change in October. I mean, you need to make that change before that, at least a month before that. I would think more than a month before that. So I'm curious how much longer this will last. Cause I agree with you. I think at some point, whether it is maybe Jaron Duran is the guy that they're holding that spot for. I mean, we've, um, we've thrown that theory out before maybe that's what it is but i do think at some point the other shoe is going to drop and i am very curious when that when that moment comes i've got i've got it i figured it out i got this is perfect let's do it he's a switch hitter um he's very highly regarded let's trade for wander franco (laughs) there we go i'm blue and i'm blue knows him so that should that should make it a done deal 
Second baseman, let's do it. Let's go. Problem solved. All right. Well, that that seems like the right place to end it. Uh, Red Sox are going to trade for Wander Franco. It has been confirmed. Uh, so thank you again for listening to today's show. Um, if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, tell us, tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. Tell complete strangers about us. Uh, please leave us a rating and a review. I've been told that's helpful. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Brian is at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y. Joiner with an I. And you can find all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And we will be back with you next week.